just a few announcements that I have before I shoot it over to Steve over here. Uh, it's been busy. Uh, we've had a busy two weeks. We started off with annual conference where all the Methodist pastors and representatives from the Oregon-Idaho Annual Conference, about 160, 170 churches represented. Uh, a lot of people joined us online, but this place was full of, uh, of, of Methodist folk uh, from across a couple different states. Uh, and we could not pull it off without your help. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who helped in here, to, to Lisa, to Debbie, to, uh, to Jacob upstairs, and all the staff who helped make everything uh, uh, just just work great. Uh, we got a lot of kudos from the conference and their thank yous as well. Uh, they come to Oregon. They, they go to Oregon three years and then Idaho for one year. That's that's how they do this. Uh, so maybe we'll see them in four years, or maybe we'll uh, say, "Hey, check the church down the street," and uh, maybe they could host as well. We were happy to do it. We were happy to do it. At annual conference, pastors are uh, reappointed uh, to their churches, and uh, we find out at conference where, where we get to go. Uh, pastors are appointed on a year-to-year basis, and uh, I was appointed to Meridian United Methodist Church for another year, so that's... Well, thank you. Uh, it's a privilege to be a part of this congregation. Thank you. Uh, I, t- I told this story, I probably shouldn't have, uh, to the group that was there. Uh, my very first annual conference in the Oregon-Idaho annual conference, uh, while well, I was serving a church in western Oregon, and the first conference happened to be in Idaho. And I thought, well, I can't drive that far. So I hopped, uh, hopped on a plane and uh, the morning of conference, and it was Alaska Airlines, little small jet, you know, 24, 25 seater sort of thing. And I, not, they don't even give you a thing to get to the, you had to walk on the tarmac and you had to go up the stairs and carry your own luggage and make sure you check your own oil in the plane. Anyway, small, small plane. But I, I hop on board and I look around and I've been in the conference for almost a year. And I look around and 20 out of the 24 folk are Methodist pastors going to Idaho for conference. And, and I shouldn't have, but I said, and maybe you can finish it. I said, God is good. All the time. time. I kind of smiled to myself and I sat down and sat next to a lady who was not a Methodist pastor and her eyes were this big. (laughs) Are you a cult? (laughs) I could see, I could see her. Are you going to fly this plane? Mm -hmm. Uh, we're, We're one of the good ones. We're one of the good ones. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, so got done with conference uh, Sunday morning. Uh, th- uh, thank you to all who joined us at the park last week. And for those who came here, I hope you enjoyed Sunday morning worship with the conference. <laughs> and then Cassie Collins and her team, they, they turned the church around real fast. And they got ready for vacation Bible school. And we had scores of kids and volunteers all week long uh, learning about the love of Christ in, the, in, our, in our spaces here. And we are... We are tired, (laughs) but we are also filled with joy. Uh, This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So thank you to everyone who helped out with Vacation Bible School. Uh, And uh, yeah, Lisa's gone today. Pastor Jen's gone today. And uh, I'll find time sometime next week to figure it out. But uh, uh, again, thank you for being here. And Steve, let's get our worship on. Steve, what are some announcements that you have for the big announcements this morning. Um, the Mary Methodists are meeting this evening at five. Uh, what's to make some merry? Well, there's food, fellowship, and a sense of community. Come on in at five and bring a dish. The youth, who you may notice um, are color-coordinated this morning, are leaving on their mission trip Saturday. You guys want to stand? I think we can pick you out. No? Okay. You're going to stand in a minute? Okay, no dancing? Okay, maybe dancing. Uh, anyway, they're going on their mission trip on Saturday, and um, we'll bless them in a little bit in the service, but thanks to everyone who helped send our kids out of state uh, to bless others. And have you ever wondered what a small group uh, we have at church for the warm heart? Have you ever wondered how to start a small group? Next Sunday, during the coffee hour between services, Pastor Jen will have a small gathering for those interested in finding community here at Mer- uh, Meridian United Methodist, and we hope you'll stop by. 
Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Let's take a moment, greet those around us in Christian love, and then remain standing for the opening hymns.
continue standing for our um, affirmation of faith, which is um, on the screen or in the hymnal on page 885. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is ever directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of our deliverance from sin and death. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, whereby we are kept in perpetual remembrance of the truth of Christ and find strength and help in time of need. We believe that this faith should manifest itself in the service of love as set forth in the example of our blessed Lord to the end, the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. Amen. Please be seated. Unless you're a kiddo, if you're a kiddo like fifth grade and down, this is your time in worship, so come on up. is today that we celebrate Father's Day. Father's Day? That's right. And some of you have got some really good fathers. I know, I know, I know. All of you, all of you have got some really good fathers. I know your fathers. They're good folk. When you think of dads, what do you think of? What what do dads do? Yeah. They help you with math. That is true until 11th grade and then we're out. I have discovered this. I used to know the calculus, but I forgot it. But they help you with math. That's awesome. What else do they help you with? Yeah. Building things? Yep. Yep. We all have too many tools in the tool chest, and if we can't find it, we buy another one, so we have four of something. Yeah. I don't know what your house is like, but that's our house. Yeah. What else do dads do? When you think of dad, what do you think of? Yeah. You think of love. Oh, that's sweet. My own dad, my, I, I, when I think back to dad, uh, when, when I was little, little, he, we used to play catch. And when we were really small, we would have big balls that looked like this. So, that, you know, this can't hurt you, right? And then later on, we got to baseballs that can hurt you. <laughs> uh, and he, we would throw, throw, throw catch outside. And then later on, he taught me how to play golf, which is a little, the balls got smaller and smaller and smaller as we got older. I don't know how that works, but you could really hurt someone with a golf ball. But, <laughs> but he taught me how to golf and he, it was just kind of fun. And when I think of my dad, I just, I just, just kind of think of just out there playing catch or just, just playing or building or doing all those things that dads do. Uh, we are blessed and we, do, we are thankful for the dads in our lives, uh, wherever they may be. Uh, whether they live in your house or don't live in your house, we give them thanks. Uh, we have a God above that. We some, God has a lot of names. And one common name that we find in the Bible is, is Father. For God is all these things. He is our protector. Uh, he gives us love. He teaches us how to build. He teaches us how to become people of faith. And for that, we give thee thanks. I'm going to have you stay up here for a moment because I want, uh, I want you to kind of see and, and bless some, some kids who are a little older than you as they go on, uh, to, on a mission trip to show God's love where they go. So stay right here, and I'm going to ask the yellow people to come on up. All the way up on stage, please. I do, right there. Line up all the way across. 
Yeah, it's okay. You can be seen. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, we asked for money and you gave us money. Thank you so much. And, and now we are about to head out to Loveland, Colorado on Saturday. It's, it's nearly upon us. I know my kids are going to miss me and I'm sure, you know, the parents will miss them, right? Um, we gave we you are, money to send them out of state. That's right. That's what, that's what <laughs> we are. Uh, we're getting really excited to go and serve. What we'll be doing is coming alongside community organizations that already exist in Loveland, Colorado, uh, to support them in their work. Um, the kids haven't heard this yet, but I got a list of the projects that we might be working on. We won't know our actual assignments until Sunday evening, but we could be um, helping with, there's a day camp for adults with disabilities, there's a children's program, um, and then there are a lot of beautification projects for some, a homeless or a homeless shelter, a low-income housing project, um, a, a trailer park, uh, some some places like that where we can we can make a difference by helping people to feel better by creating their surroundings to be better. So we're going to be doing mundane work uh, that's going to make a difference, and we're going to be finding out how much Jesus is in those small things that we can do. So it's going to be a wonderful trip. Please keep us in your prayers. Um, as we go, we'll be traveling while you're here next week. Um, we'll be getting close to our destination, and then we will be coming home that next Saturday. So pray for us, and especially me. <laughs> well, 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 how about we give you a prayer right now? Yes, please. All right, let's give you. Tell you what, uh, laying on hands, just put your hand on the shoulder in a non-creepy, threatening way. Appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Let's, let's give the blessing to these folk. Lord, we pray that this upcoming mission trip would fill these young people and volunteers with compassion, with, with generosity and kindness and respect as they interact with the people that they reach. Give them sympathetic ears and, and eyes to be sensitive to the needs around them. Lord, guard them uh, against frustration and unrealistic expectations and other attitudes that can get them off course. Speak to them during their evening devotions through small group and, and prayer time. Lord, we praise you that you do not sleep as you watch over them. Keep these adventurers physically safe and healthy as they travel. Please provide them with patience and flexibility if things do not go according to plan. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you would provide encouragement to the leaders and the organizers of this mission trip. Help them to remain faithful with the things you've entrusted to them. And let them set, a, set an example in speech, in life, in love, and in faith. And give them discernment to deal with any problems that may arise. And in all of these things. As they load up the van later on this week, remind them that they go with our blessing, encouragement, and love. And the family of God said, amen. amen. Good luck to all of you. Thank you, children. Let's, let's send them away with uh, some appreciation. Thanks, guys. Oh, oh, oh. 
Thank you, ladies. Let us be a people of prayer. Heavenly Father, today we ask that you bless our earthly fathers. For the many times they reflected the love, the strength, the generosity and wisdom and mercy that you, that you show in your relationship to us, your children. We honor our fathers for putting our needs above their own convenience and comfort. For teaching us to show courage and determination in the face of adversity. For challenging us to move our own mountains and to break barriers for for modeling the qualities that would turn us into respectable, responsible, principled, caring adults. Oh God, we know that no father is perfect, save you. Give them the grace to acknowledge and learn from their mistakes. And give us the grace to extend to them the same forgiveness that you offer to all of us. Help us to resist the urge to stay stuck in past bitterness and instead move forward with humility and, and with peace of heart. We also ask your blessings on, on those men who served as father figures in our lives when, when biological fathers weren't able to do so. And give new and future fathers the guidance they need to raise happy and holy children grounded in a love for God and for other people. Lord, we pray for the fathers who have passed into the next life, who have been welcomed into your loving embrace, and that our family will one day be reunited in your heavenly kingdom. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, who taught his disciples a prayer that, that begins with a nod to your parentage as we say these words together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead it not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our next congregational song is uh, called Spirit Song. And as you are willing and able, let's stand and sing together.
Please be seated. This morning's uh, scripture reading is Colossians 3, um, verses 1 through 4 and 12 through 17. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the end. Thank you, Steve. So I used to have a a, a bad habit. I probably still have a few. But this is one I tried to break several years ago. So I was on staff at a church that had 4,000 people. 4,000 people. Not that I knew them all. I was, I was like the, uh, the, the assistant youth director and the, the, the man who just helped lock doors, unlock doors, answer phones, and just help people do, do their thing. I was the guy in college and seminary. And each Sunday... Before worship, I would get a few youth to come outside, and we would greet those, those folk coming into worship. And we would greet, and we would greet, and we would greet. And, and maybe that's why I still like being outside greeting today. And every now and then, they'd let me preach. Uh, so I got to see everybody all at the same time, or at least uh, some of them, over the four services that we had. <laughs> Well, if you greet 4,000 people, week in, week out, week in, week out, you get to know some faces. And our city had 200,000 people. So if you recognize 4,000 out of 200,000, well, especially if you're, if you're, if you, you know, the quarter was part of your town, so that's 50,000 folk. So if you know, I'm, I'm doing math in my head as I'm going. If I do 4,000, uh, this is eighth grade math, I can still do that. 4,000 out of 50,000, you know, that's, that's 8%. So anywhere, if we were over by the church or on that quarter side of town, at a restaurant, at a mall, we would know one in 12 people. We couldn't get away with nothing. <laughs> even, even the cop who pulled me over. <laughs> hi, hi, Mike. Hi, Officer, Officer Imes. <laughs> we, hey, Officer Imes, we go to the same church. Can you get me out of this ticket? He goes, no, talk to the judge. He also goes to this church. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Did not get out of the ticket. <laughs> But it got to be a game for us. How many St. Markians are we going to see? And we would say, I bet we're going to see four at Applebee's or six over at uh, Chili's or wherever. And, uh, and here's my bad habit. When we were sitting at a restaurant, enjoying our food, every time the door would open, I would, I would literally lean and look. Do I know this person coming in? Or if someone was leaving? I would look to see if I know the people who, 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 who were walking off. I would break off conversations just to see. And my, hab- my bad habit was this. I could not keep my attention 
on things that were right in front of me. I was like a little puppy dog, right? What's going on over here? What's going on over there? Squirrel, look, squirrel. And, and, and just, I couldn't, couldn't pay attention to the, to the people right in front of me. You know, we, we all do that a little bit, don't we? You're standing there, you're standing there, and you're talking to Bob, and your phone goes off. Hold on, Bob. It's Steve. Let me hold on. Hi, Steve. And we, and if I was there talking to Steve and my phone went off, oh, hold on, Steve. It's Bob. Bob. Bob's wondering why I stopped to talk to you. That's what's going on. Uh, who should I talk to, Bob or Steve? Apparently, it's whoever got my attention last. My bad habit, not paying attention to what's going on right in front of me. I'm at work, and I'm thinking of stuff at home. I'm at home, I'm thinking of stuff at work. Focus on where you're at. There's not really a support group. There's, there needs to be a support group for this, somehow. Hi, I'm Mike, and I can't focus. Yeah, well, if, if, it was, if, it was a, if it was a support group, it'd be like, oh, hi, oh, I forgot your name, I wasn't paying attention, you know, and whatever your name was. Numerous studies have shown that people who make higher levels of eye contact, okay, this, is, this whole sermon's about eye contact, what are you focusing on? People who make higher levels of eye contact are perceived as being more dominant and powerful, but also more warm and personable, more attractive, more likable, more qualified, more skilled, more competent, more trustworthy, honest, and sincere. My dad used to say, look people in the eye. Look them in the eye. When someone talks to you, talk back, engage. We've, 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 some of us have lost this as, as the years have gone on. Some of us don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk. To, I'm just going to order my food like this. I'm just going to do all my ordering like this. And we, we lose human contact. Look people in the eye. What does, why does making eye contact with people improve relationships? And I promise you there's a sermon in here somewhere. First is this. Eyes, our eyes were made to connect. That's why they're there. It's easy to see why the eyes of others capture our gaze. It is what we look at when we talk to each other. In the animal kingdom, most other animals look at hands, look at bodies, look at feet. They look at things that, that could either pose a danger to them or, or, or something else or something more attractive. We look at eyes. They're free-moving orbs lobbed in a stationary face. Eyeballs can move on their own. You know, you could look, look, you could look this one, look this, you could stare this way, and you could look that way. Without moving your head. We're about the only animals that do this, by the way. They're kind of weird eyeballs. They grab our attention that is distinctly human. Our irises and our pupils float on a big white canvas. There are 220 other primates out there. We're the only ones that have whites around the eyes. We're the only ones. The whites of our eyes make it very easy for others to see exactly what we are looking at. While primates will typically turn their gaze, primates, what they're looking at, they will turn and look. Like, they don't move their eyes left and right. Like, we, they will turn and look. And so we can see what they're looking at. We're shifty kind of folk. <laughs> you, you can look this way, or face this way, and look that way. And if you've got sunglasses on, who knows which way you're looking But what it really does is it tells other people what we're focused on. And the anthropologists tell us that our, our, our degrees of, of cooperation, building civilizations, it all comes down to noticing what the other people are looking at. A human infant, when you're holding a baby, they will watch, they will watch your face. 
And if you turn your eyes that way, without moving your head, the baby will turn their head that way. What are you looking at? Number two, about eyes. Our eyes reveal our thoughts and feelings. You've probably heard the old expression, the eyes are the window to soul. While that might not be literally true, they do reveal a great deal about what we're thinking and feeling from moment to moment. Think of all the eye-related expressions we have. We get seduced by bedroom eyes. We are wary of shifty eyes. We're afraid of the evil eye. That looks pretty evil. We're attracted to people who have kind eyes and eyes that sparkle or glow or, or twinkle. We're repelled by people who are dead in the eyes. When someone is eager and peppy, with these, we, we call them bright-eyed and bushy. Yeah, that's what that does. Bushy-tailed, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. When we're bored, I hope you're not here yet, but ho- you're, hopefully your eyes are not glazed over yet. <clears throat> Love stories often begin with two pairs of eyes meeting across a room. Eye contact also shows attention. Sociologists tell us that people are starved for attention nowadays. Despite the fact that we are so connected than ever, folk are hungry for face-to-face interactions and someone to really listen to them. And eye contact is the way that you show that you care. It shows the speaker that you're tuned into what they're saying. Have you ever been in a place where, where you're trying to make contact and they're always just looking somewhere else? Like, I, I would rather talk to that person right now. The ability to give eye contact to someone as they speak is powerful. It's become so common for people to break their gaze to check their, their phone during conversation or, or something like that. Give people your attention. And the last reason why we should give eye contact today, it creates an intimate bond. Pay attention to what you watch. It tells you what your relationships are like. Here's fun science. When I am, this might be confusing, hopefully you'll catch it. When I am performing a task or I'm feeling an emotion, and you watch me doing so, the same neurons that are being lit up in my brain while I'm doing this emotion or task, guess what? You also have those same neurons firing up in your brain as well. You're not even feeling that emotion. You're not even watching that task, but the same things are going on in your brain that's going on in my brain. If I am joyous and you are seeing me be joyous, There's a piece of you that becomes joyous. If you see me bawling and and, and having, having a horrible day, you feel those same emotions, the same neurons. Your eyes do that. I love my, my mother-in-law. She doesn't watch so I can talk about her. She's, she's Roman Catholic. She's doing something else, but uh, uh, she cries at Kleenex commercials. But wow, what empathy that is, right? Eye contact creates moments when you are able to feel what the other person's feeling. That's why when we act as, as, you know, on on, on the internet or something like that, it's so easy to be angry and bitter and, and just trash talk. I know you all don't do that, but it happens out there. But when you see someone face to face and you look in their eyes, you get a sense of their humanity and your anger just dissipates. So what am, I, what am I trying to say today? Turn your eyes to others. Look in their face. Look in their eyes. Give them the gift of your glance. Because we miss out on some of our humanity when we don't give the world a little eye contact. And how did our scripture say it today? Set your gaze. Set your eyes upon heaven. Jesus. Heaven. Uh, all those spiritual things. What you look at, what you pay attention to, is what is important to you. Give intentionality, set your eyes upon the things of the spirit, upon the things of the heart. 
And all the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Is what I've heard. We're doing a sermon series on some of the favorite hymns of our faith. And I'm just going to touch on here at the end. Uh, we sang it last week, actually, uh, but we'll sing it again here soon. We're going to take a look at the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. So Helen Lemmel was born 1863. That's her. In England to a Methodist minister and his wife. I knew I liked her from the start. Her family moved to the U.S. She was 12. And her parents recognized her musical gifts. And she studied with good teachers. She sang in several groups, toured the Midwest, going from church to church to church to church, a lot of the revival movement uh, at that time. In uh, 1904, in her 40s, she moved to Seattle, where she served as the music critic for the Seattle Times. And after that, she went to Germany to study music, and she stayed there for four years. She fell in love with a wealthy European came back to the United States and had a very successful concert career. And she also taught music for a number of years at the Moody Bible Institute. She actively supported uh, Billy Sunday's evangelical ministry, if you, if you know who Billy Sunday was. Uh, he was, <laughs> he preached. <laughs> But he got people's attention. And he wrote, and she wrote a song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus in 1922 to be used in those meetings. The song was inspired by a tract uh, written by a missionary to uh, Africa about just keeping focus, keeping focus on, on Jesus because in 1922, the world was changing. And there were a lot of things getting people's attention other than, other than things of faith. And so she wrote, this, uh, she wrote this tune. She actually wrote 500 hymns. But Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus is one that continued to find its way into the modern hymnals. As true with many popular hymns, it holds out a promise of Jesus' help in times of trouble. Even some of the hymns that we sang this morning, like, oh, this is kind of dark. But in those dark times, we find Christ. Uh, like this is the third verse that I don't know if it's going to be in our song today, but oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, here's something I didn't tell you. When, the, when, when, when uh, Helen was middle-aged, about to start, you know, the, the, the good and golden fun years, she became blind in a relatively short period of time. And her husband left her. Didn't want to deal with a blind wife. And she lived out the rest of her days back in Seattle on government assistance living in someone else's back room. Not the retirement that she was hoping for. Life gave her a few tough blows. And it was when she was blind that she wrote this song with a little irony in it. Uh, But the metaphor is still true. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, wrote this blind lady. Look full on his wonderful face. Give him the attention he deserves. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. You know, when you, when, when you got God in your heart, you, you don't care if people look at what you drive. If you got God in your heart, you don't care what other people think about how you live your life. You know, we, we, we buy things that we don't need with, with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. But if you got God in your heart, That's what gives you peace. That's what gives you a a life worth living and a life of blessing and a life full of memory. Helen Lemmel died in 1961 at the age of 98. Keep the picture up there for a second. That's the the gal I showed you earlier. This lady who went on wonderful music concerts throughout throughout the United States, living in a back room. That's her piano, which is now this big. Not the life she wanted. 
but she still found a heart of peace because you could turn your eyes toward Christ. And maybe it's a lesson that I can learn from her. If you're constantly looking around, you might miss the glory and the grace right in front of you. And the family of God said, amen. As we come to the offering, a word of thanks to those who faithfully participate in the giving to our church. You make the ministries of this church happen. Whether it be hosting large conferences of, 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 of pastors or vacation Bible school or of mission trips, things happen here because of you. Thank you. Let's receive the offertory. Please join in our offertory prayer. God of eternity and God of the next moment, we offer our gifts today, having heard your call through Jesus to follow. May our gifts bring us closer to you and to the community around us. Amen. And if you had to guess what our closing song is, it would be Turn Your. <laughs> Let's sing together.
And all the time. To the fathers, may you have a wonderful Father's Day. And uh, I know we're going out to eat. I think after the second service, we're going to a restaurant. And it has all those TVs, you know, around. I have to sit in a place where there's no TV right there. Because during the meal, I will just go like this. Uh, and so we have a rule at our, at our family. Uh, no screens at the table. Can't do it. Uh, restaurants are another place. Just you got, you got to look at people. You got to talk to them. Um, it's at, at our dinner table at home, the first person who gets up has to do the dishes. And so everyone's... <laughs> so we sit and talk for a long time until... Do me a favor. Uh, right before the, I give the benediction here, turn to the person next to you, look in their eyes and say, I see you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. You are noticed and you are loved. Go in peace.